Well, good morning. It's, uh, it's great to be with you this morning. And thank you very much for inviting me to come and be the speaker today. This is sort of like, looks like school. <laughs> so, so thanks very much. I'd, I'd invite you to turn with me, please, in your Bibles to, um, to Hebrews chapter 13. And um, this is a great passage in God's word, but I also want you to know that it's a challenging one. Um, some of it, 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 it agitates or bothers me because these items in Hebrews chapter 13 identify what a good race looks like. I want you to know in Hebrews chapter 12, the writer to Hebrews says, since we're encompassed about by so great a cloud of witnesses, right? Old Testament saints, Abraham and Moses and New Testament saints like, like Peter and, and, and John Mark, but also people that we know and love, people that you know and love who are in heaven today. We're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside the, the weight and the sin which so easily besets and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Now, it's not so much that these folks are cheering you on. These folks who are this great cloud of witnesses, their race is done. They ran this race. And now there's an opportunity for you to run the race. Can I ask you, how are you doing in the race? You know, there's races in town that you start out in. Scotch Plains has a race. Westfield has a race. At the beginning of the race, there's bands and music and energy. There's like kids holding posters, encouraging things. But like the fourth mile of the race, I mean, you're out there alone. There are no bands and energy and and kids holding signs. It's hard. What are the marks of a good race? Well, how's anybody really supposed to know? Well, God identifies what the marks of a good race are. And he identifies them in Hebrews chapter 13. So, so join me here uh, with verse 1. Let brotherly love continue. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some have unwittingly entertained angels. Remember the prisoners as if chained with them and those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. Marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. Let your conduct be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'd like to consider this passage this morning. One of the great marks of a race is your love. The writer to the Hebrew says, let brotherly love continue. That means that it has started. Let it continue. That's really important to the Lord. You know, I want you to know that the New Testament gives examples of different churches. And in Revelation chapter 3, the Lord Jesus writes this letter and John dictate, John writes it down, right? Jesus dictates it and John writes it down. In Revelation chapter 3, there's a church called Sardis. And what do you know about Sardis? Oh, Sardis, you say you have a name that you're alive. There's a lot of energy there. There's, there's, a, lot of, um, there's a lot of outreach there. The Lord says of Sardis, he says, Sardis, you say you have a name your life. There's no love there. 
No love there. Sardis, you say you have a name that you're alive, but you're really dead. Why is that? Because there's no fruit. There's no life. There's no love. To the angel of the church at Ephesus, we write, we read, Oh, Ephesus, you have tried some who say they're apostles and you found them to be liars. Good for you, Ephesus. That was good. You discerned well. But this I have against you. You've left your first love. And if you've left your first love, Ephesus, then that means that you don't love each other either. You just love yourself. The Apostle Paul, he warns the the church at Corinth. They're split into all these different groups. Some say that you're of Paul and some say you're of Paulus and some say that you're of Christ. Now, the Lord wants us to exercise brotherly love. He says, I want that to continue. Now, where did that come from? Well, actually, Paul touched on that in the early meeting. We have such a unique relationship because we belong to God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you know and love Jesus, then you and I are brothers. You and I are sisters. And that should hurdle all these preferences that we have in our lives. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 18, the Apostle Paul says that God will be like a father to you and that we are to be sons and daughters. And in the book of Galatians, it tells us that we can cry out after God as Abba or Papa, Abba Father, based on what Jesus has done. Now, some of the confusion comes in in our lives, in my life, in that we put friendships or preferences over the unique relationship that we have because of what Jesus has done. So, you know, you can come to the chapel, but I'm, I really just want to, I really just want to worship with people who look like me. And I really just want to worship with people who vote like me and who act like me. I just want to hang with the people who are just like me. And that's a pretty small circle. How important it is for us as believers to check our preferences at the door, whatever those preferences might be, and that we might have the chance together to worship and honor the Lord who came so that we might be called the sons and daughters of the living God. Let me give you an example. There were two apostles that the Lord Jesus called. One was Matthew. You know what he did? He collected taxes and he gave those taxes, the Jewish taxes to Rome, and I'm sure he skimmed off the top. And one of those apostles was Simon the Zealot. You know what he did? He was a terrorist. He went around upsetting a lot of the Roman activities. Simon the Zealot would have hated Matthew, the tax collector, and Matthew would have probably thought Simon was nuts. But they come together because they both belong to the Lord and they put their preferences down. And honestly, friends, they changed the world. How important it is for us to allow 
brotherly love to continue. Let it continue. So like what, what stands in the way of that? So if I was going to tell you this morning, you know, I work in a school. I'm not really crazy about the Second Amendment. I'm not really crazy about all these guns. Are we going to sort of divide because of that? Are we going to divide because of music? Are we going to divide because of preferences? Or are we going to have the opportunity to exalt Christ? Are we going to have the opportunity to submit to one another and let brotherly love continue? Now, the Lord Jesus tells us in the New Testament, he says, I want you to love your brother just like I loved you. In the Old Testament, the commandment of love is love your neighbor as yourself. In the New Testament, Jesus says, love your brother, love one another as I have loved you. And sometimes for me, that's hard. I say, Lord, I'll go on short-term mission trips. I'll go on long-term mission trips. I'll give the first fruits of what I earn. I'll do all these things. But love my brother. Yeah. The Lord says, that's the mark of a good race. And that's the mark of whether or not the world is going to know that you belong to me. Now, in the New Testament, the Bible tells us in the book of Titus, that love is something that can be learned. Paul tells Titus, teach the older women, teach the old, have the older women, teach the younger women, teach them what? Teach them how to love their husbands. Teach them how to love their children. Love is something that can be learned. I can love my brother even if I'm not naturally drawn to him. The writer to the Hebrew says that love is a labor of love. And what comes to mind when you think about laboring? And I think, I think about giving birth, right? I mean, that's brutal. It's, by the way, it's brutal for the guys too. I mean, you know, you're in the birthing room and the doctor comes in, he says, Dad, we're going to ask you to step out. If you see the needle we're going to put into mom's back, you're going to faint. Yeah. No problem. I'll step out. I'll go home. Just call me when it's over. Right? The writer to the Hebrews calls love a labor of love. Peter speaks about love. He says it's a fervent love. That means it's an, an exhausting love or a sweaty love or an exerting love. Every now and again, I hear somebody say, oh, John, let me tell you what I did. I went to the airport to pick up a brother and I waited three hours and he was short of cash. So I gave him cash and let him borrow my car. I went above and beyond, John. So I say, so really exercise brotherly love. I mean, the Bible doesn't say above and beyond. There's no verse in the Bible that says go above and beyond. The Bible says, I want you to exercise brotherly love. The mark of a good race. The very first thing the writer to the Hebrews tells us as far as what is practical is 
He says, I want you to love your brother. How do you do in that department? If you were gonna grade yourself on the rubric, do you encourage your brother to good works? Do you pray for your brother, for your sister? Are you aware even that God wants you to love one another? Do I provide physical care when I can? Do I reach out? Or am I judgmental to uh, uh, to my brother? The second thing he identifies is verse two. Do not forget to entertain strangers. For by doing so, some have unwittingly entertained angels. Friends, how do you do with hospitality? Now, there's plenty of examples in the Old Testament. When Abraham had the opportunity to greet those strangers, Abraham greeted a stranger who came to his tent. It was the Lord himself. Abraham ran out and he, he picked the lamb himself, the one that he was going to sacrifice for the meal. How do you do with hospitality? This is really a little bit of a weakness of mine. I always thought, well, hospitality is a gift, you know? I mean, I'll do what I can do. You do what you can do. We'll all sort of pitch in. But that's not what this verse says. The mark of a good race is that you entertain strangers. For by doing so, some have unwittingly entertained angels. Friends, the Lord wants me and he wants you to be hospitable. Not so that I can preach to people. Because I'm a changed life. That's one of the marks of a good race. Jesus said, I want you to make friends with your unrighteous mammon. That's what he said. I want you to make friends with your money. I remember, um, um, you know, going out to lunch with teachers when I first started. I, I was trained really by two Jewish grandmothers. And we went out to the diner almost every day. And every single day, they, there would be squabbling over 15 cents. Ethel, you owe me 15 cents. No, Merle, it wasn't 15 cents. It was a dime. <laughs> Am I like that? Am I able, if I can financially, to help out and just say, look, you don't have to get me the next time. Let me make friends with my unrighteous mammon. Let me be the kind of heart that can open the door to others. I struggle with that. My son's friends come over. They help themselves to my refrigerator. They park in my driveway. I need help with that. I need to grow in that area. The mark of a strong race is that you entertain strangers. Verse three, remember the prisoners as if chained with them. Now, it's easy to look, step back and say, oh, the prisoners. You know what? I know one person right now that's incarcerated. I know one person. So, you know, but do you know how many people I know that are prisoners that are trapped in their own bodies? How many disabled people? How many discouraged people? How many lonely people? How many sick people? Do you know how many people that, that, that I could pick up a telephone right now and encourage? 
you know, in nursing homes today, family are not allowed inside of nursing homes because of COVID. And if you're in a nursing home, you have to stay in your room. There's folks that I know that are in nursing homes today that are trapped in that room. What's the mark of a good race? It rem- remember the prisoners. Re- re- remember those, not just behind bars, but people who are lonely and sick and in despair and who are discouraged, or who are disabled. The writer to the Hebrew says, have passion, have passion and bear one another's burdens. How do you do with that? How do you do with taking like some of your leisure time and coming alongside a brother or a sister and having the chance to bear their burdens? Those who are in despair and those who are hurting. Verse four, marriage is honorable among all. And the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Do you know, marriage today is the joke and sport of late night television. It really is. Marriage is so precious in the sight of a holy God. There's folks who say, John, marriage is just a piece of paper. I mean, it's just something that's signed with the county clerk and it's, it's just a piece of paper. Oh, no. No, marriage is a spiritual union. It was created back early in Genesis. I'll even share with you, the church isn't even referred to until Matthew 16. Marriage comes in right at the beginning. It's really important to the Lord. Your marriage is. How come? Because the Bible says that your marriage is a picture of the Lord Jesus and his church. And that's really important to the Lord. I'm sure it's under attack today. Of course it is. And the family is under attack today. But the Lord loves marriage. Now, you know what? I don't know you personally enough. So I'll just share out and say that there's not, there's not a family I know, including my own, that has not been affected by divorce not not a family that i know a lot of a lot of sorrow comes with divorce a lot of hurt comes with divorce jesus said it was because of the hardness of hearts that moses gave that decree can god use me if i'm divorced of course he can can god forgive me of course he does yes but the lord loves marriage he's the one who invented it And he believes in your marriage. What's the mark of a good race? That your marriage is honorable. And that fornicators and adulterers, God's going to judge as believers in the Lord Jesus that, that I'm careful here. We're all vulnerable here. The writer to the Hebrews is writing to Christians here. And then verse five, let your conduct be without covetousness and be content. You ladies, you're going to have the Bible study becoming, becoming women whose God is enough. 
Be content with what you have. Is the Lord enough? I mean, the writer to the Hebrews, for those of you who know this wonderful book, has spent the whole book saying that Christ is superior to angels. Christ is superior to creation. He's superior to ceremonies. He's superior to the sacrifices. He's superior to the priesthood. He's superior to all of it. He's enough. And yet somehow or another, it's easy for me to say, well, I'll tell you what, it really would be great if I just had this. If I just had what my brother has, if I just earned what so-and-so has, if I had more house or more money, if I had, if I had more, then maybe, then maybe that would unlock the key to all of my unhappiness. Now, the writer to the Hebrews says, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be without covetousness. You know, at school, it's subtly, it's very important at school that parents let you know their accomplishments. And so they email you simple things like your my daughter's spelling words. Could you kindly provide spelling words for my daughter? And it's signed Mr. or Mrs. Whoever. And right underneath, there's all these post-nominal letters. All these accomplishments. I mean, I start Googling these things. I don't know what these things even are. All these credentials. Somehow you've arrived and, 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 and you want to like broadcast that because maybe I should be chasing after this too. And so I just type back. I say, here are your daughter's spelling words, John Chadlick. And then I, I just type some letters. I, I email it back here. Just figure out what all this is. <laughs> Covetousness is, we got to be careful of that because we're all vulnerable in that regard. The Lord is enough. He is enough. Because this verse identifies, it says, The Lord says, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. So we may boldly say, it's the Lord who is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And finally, really just in closing, I want to highlight this verse, verse 8. I want it to be a comfort to all of us. That Jesus Christ is the same yesterday. And he's the same today. And he's the same forever. And praise God this morning that he's for us. And that he loves us. And that he's not just the creator God, but he's the redeemer God. Who desires that we can be part of the family of God. Based on his great work. He has has brought us together in this wonderful body we call the church not so that we devour each other or but rather so that we can show that we belong to him by exercising great love so i want to encourage you to let brotherly love continue 
Let it continue at the chapel. Let it continue in your families. Let it continue in, 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 in the church at large. And I want to encourage you to, to, to entertain when there's opportunity. That's a mark of a, of a believer that you can run, run. And that the mark of the, the strong race is that I entertain and, 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 and that we would come alongside prisoners and those who are trapped inside their bodies and that we would honor our marriages and that we would be able to say, Lord Jesus, you're enough. I don't need more riches or more lands or, or more stuff. You're all I need. Let's have the opportunity to close with a word of prayer. And then we're going to allow there to be some, some of your thoughts. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I'd love to hear any questions, not that I would have the answers to all of them, but, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on this passage. As God is having the opportunity to grow us and change us in this wonderful process of glorifying us even now here upon the earth. Let's close with a word of prayer. Our Father, we thank you for your lovely son. And we thank you that that we are encouraged to lay aside the, the sin and the weight that so easily besets that we're to run with endurance. That we're to run looking unto the Lord Jesus. We thank you that he endured the cross. We thank you that he is sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And this week, Lord, we have the opportunity to to run our race, to run our race looking unto the Lord Jesus. I, I just pray that we would be cognitive of these areas, that we would let brotherly love continue. And that we would do the things, Lord, that are pleasing to you, so that we might run well. For we would ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.